Coming to you live from the Chamber of Haunters Studios, this is Haunting You. I am your host, Leslie Reed. And I'm Keone Hutton. Thank you so much for joining us on Haunting You. Oh my freaking god, we have such an incredible episode ahead for you. We absolutely do. Keep, keep listening because it's just amazing. I, I, I'll be a little bit honest. I'm not totally sure how we managed to pull this one off. We asked. Because we asked. And let this be a lesson to everyone. That is actually one of the themes I think you will see uh, throughout tonight's episode. Uh, good things come to those who ask and ask again and ask again and keep asking until they get yes. Kind of. But I'm not sure I want to say that. Like, hmm. Ask nicely. Ask nicely. And if a woman tells you no, no means no. We do start to carry knives. But if you, <laughs> Leslie especially, but if you're trying to get a job or you're trying to uh, do something really cool within the haunted industry, uh, definitely keep asking, keep trying, keep putting your resume out there, keep applying for jobs, keep uh, auditioning, and you will be surprised at what will happen. We kicked off uh, on August 1st with a new series, not new series, but with uh, a mini series of a special series highlighting the backbone of the haunt industry, the haunt actors, because uh, it is auditioning season and training season. And we thought it was a really good time to uh, to talk to the people who actually make the haunts happen. Uh, We had Ty Rowley come on on August 1st and he told us about uh, his experience using magic and how he incorporates that into his acting. But tonight, oh my God, tonight, we have a real freaking live celebrity who agreed to come on to the podcast and tell us all about his life. Kyle freaking Vest. Yes. This is just amazing. And I know Doug Sheldon, Almost a celebrity. I'm saying this because he's listening in. I want to poke fun at him just a little bit. He's totally inside. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, well, I'll, I'll send him a clip later. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> oh, but anyway, so Kyle Vest. We met this gentleman way back in uh, February when we were doing the very first Fear Expo. I was amazed by him then. He inspired us, and he inspired our penultimate creature for um, for our haunt this year. He is an artist. He Aww. is a makeup artist. He does beauty makeup and horror makeup, prosthetics, special effects. He was a freaking contestant on Skin Wars, and the stuff that he came up with blew my mind when I saw it. But beyond all of his artistry, he is a performer. He does aerial work. He does stilt work. He does th- crazy things on, like, poles that I can't even, like, fully understand how the human <laughs> body works that way. He's done aerial ice skating, and if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, or at least listen to our Fear Expo recap, you know how let like perplexed John, and we hope to unperplex John here tonight. But he's done modeling, he's a costume designer, he's done costume design for freaking Taylor Swift and Sarah Brightman, Katy Perry, Justin Timberlake, Miley Cyrus, like huge names in the entertainment industry. Kyle has worked with them, and he designs haunted houses. On top of all of this, like, I don't fully understand how he has the time or the creative energy to do everything that he does. And yet, here we are. So, my God, Kyle Vest, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the Haunting You podcast. We are so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be on here. And now I feel like I need to hire you to do my commercials. That was amazing. (laughs) We will do commercials. Uh, We are for hire. You know, we... we, (laughs) 
we need money for, to make our hunt happen, so we can talk later if you want. <laughs> Sounds like a game plan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Kyle, t- let's start at the very beginning. How did you get your start in the haunted attraction industry? Uh, where did your love of all of this artistry come from? Set the stage for us. So here's the craziest thing. My whole life actually has revolved around my obsession with haunted houses as a child. And that is where all the art actually came from. I started with theater, but theater and haunted housing was exactly the same time. Mm. I was a kid, I think about five years old, begging to go to haunted houses. (laughs) And uh, when I say begging, I was crying inside and out. (laughs) I was terrified of them, Uh but I couldn't get enough of them. It's like the sour candy that's uh-huh. super sour but you still eat it anyway oh yeah and you cry about it that's, that's good totally stuff. how i was <laughs> turns your mouth inside out and you keep going back for more until you can't feel your tongue yeah. correct not that i'd have any experience with that of course not nope <laughs> <laughs> so it literally did start when i was a kid um just begging to go and with that was the passion to be in them and of course no haunted house once i hired a kid <laughs> and uh, I got I got a break at seven years old. My mom got tired of hearing me begging to go work at the local haunted trail in Lebanon, Indiana, small town mm-hmm. with a, a beautiful tiny trail put on by locals. And they said no, of course, because the age. And she said, I can't I can't take it. You have to take my son. He's driving me nuts. <laughs> I like a parent who supports you. Yeah, and ironically, when they finally gave in, they put me with a small-time movie producer, which had done low budget locally. It wasn't anything big or anything mm-hmm. that anybody would have known this name. But he said, I need kids for my children of the quarantine. Let's take this kid as the lead. And, oh, my uh, gosh. So I got really lucky, and... Boy, did I shine that year because <laughs> I had a set of lungs and I was all about getting dragged underneath a fence and I did it every single group. So every group was mortified by a child being stolen from a group. Yes, <laughs> I freaking love it. <laughs> oh, and you were seven at that time? Seven. Actually, that I was six years old that year. And the following year, it was when I took on my first scene at seven years old. That's uh-huh. what it was. Yeah. So, Seven years old, they, I again, my mom was tired of hearing me beg, and so she went back in and said, can we <laughs> do our own scene? And they said, there's no way we'll let a seven-year-old design a scene. However, we'll let you design the scene. And my mom said, okay, hey, I'll hey, take Hey, Kyle, what it. do you want to do? <laughs> so she literally said, just do it, and we'll take it in, and we'll set it up, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. Start them early. Well, I got lucky because uh, my mom, which I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but my mom was a, she's a registered nurse. So I had my way into the hospital. So of course I did a hospital scene and instead of just doing like one operating room, I decided to build the whole facade of the hospital in the middle of this trail and did a whole entire hospital scene. And, you know, and I had the gurneys and, you know, we had all the the shindig that you could think of, and yeah. it turned out to be the best voted scene of that year. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing! Do you you don't have any pictures of this, do you? 
Um, I'm sure we do because it ended up on the front of the newspaper that year. <laughs> <laughs> if you can find it and send me to it, I would love to post it on our on our social media when we release this. Uh, this that episode. would be awesome. Yeah, that would be great. So seven years old, you're getting your start. You're getting cast in scenes. Where did you go from there? It started really booming after that. After I did my first scene and uh, my parents opened up and admitted after it was over that they didn't do anything except for put what I had designed and built for them. And mm-hmm. they're, oh my gosh, my parents were going to kill me. And they said, never again. You destroyed our, <laughs> our living room carpet. You destroyed our yard. And uh, however, guess what? I took over another scene the following year, which was too scary for the town. It was a, I believe it was my killer clown 3D booth, which, you know, had never hit anything at that level at a small town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I did stay with the Trails Hair until I was, I believe, 13 is when I got my first design job with a real haunted attraction which was about um, a 30-minute drive from my hometown. And they said, come out and design a couple of our hayride scenes. And I said, okay, cool. And when I got out there, I said, "Um, you guys are messing up big time. Let me tell you why. And they were like, this kid's really telling us how to run this show that we've been running for a couple years. And uh, I decided to tell them to raise all their attraction in the hayride up. To the level of the hayride uh-huh. and we redesigned the entire hayride that year and that was a huge eye-opener for them so everything was at ground level prior to you yeah your insights? When, before i got there they they were all ground level little houses and huts and oh, uh, i came yeah. along and i said let's raise it up and do a whole western scene and we did a hillbilly scene <laughs> and we did a, a quite a few scenes but it cost them a fortune, obviously, because oh, we were sure. raising everything up to hayride level. Yeah. But the the all the comments and and what came from it was well worth it for them. Uh huh. Uh huh. At 13, you are already making an impact in the industry, redesigning established haunts. Clearly, you were going to go big places. I think that's when my parents went, okay. Maybe destroying our yard wasn't as bad as we thought. (laughs) (laughs) There might be some potential here. We suppose we can allow this and support it. Yep. Yeah. It's great that they continue to support you and and make sure that you got into where you needed to, to to really pursue this as a passion. Yeah. And you'll probably hear me say a hundred times, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for the love and support of both my mom and dad. That's fantastic. As much as they, it drove them nuts of me tearing things up. They somehow just bit their their tongue and just let it slide slowly. That that, that is the kind of parent I strive to be. <laughs> I think they're proud now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. How did you get into makeup, or when did you get into makeup? Okay, so as I went through with the haunted attractions, obviously when I started doing the scenes, I was in charge of each scene that I designed, so I had to, you know, the casting. And all the makeup and costume came from me as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents were there to support me, but they were like, we have no idea what is going on in this haunted house world. Just <laughs> tell us what we need to do, where we need to be, and how. We... And, you know, and uh, so, of course, makeup came along with it. And they, everybody kind of caught on that there was some kind of a talent in the makeup and the costuming then. Uh-huh. But then when I got hired by the attraction to do the hayride, they actually owned a carnival. 
And as soon as they saw what I did with the paintbrush on a face, they said, hey, our carnival is looking for a face painter. We know you're underage, but we'll still take you. We'll pick you up. And it was funny because I was in middle school at that time, and I wasn't even a driver yet. Like, yeah. So I, I was 15, and, of course, they would pick me up at the school. We would go to the <laughs> cities and set this carnival up, and uh, I was their official face painter. Oh, my so, gosh. That's amazing. That's great. And then when I caught on how much money I was making, that's when my life really changed. <laughs> I told the carnival, I said, it was a great year working for you, but next year I'm going on my own, and I'll be competing against you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I literally did that, and that, that was when the claim to fame really hit because that that next year I did one festival, and I came home, and I, I talked to my parents, and I said, uh, I have a problem. They said, what's your problem? I said, I can't handle what I'm getting. <laughs> and I need you guys to come out and just maintain the, the crowds for me. And they were like, what? I said, just come to my next one. You'll see. So they came <laughs> out and they were like, holy crap. What in God's name is going on? You have <laughs> line after line and you're cranking them out. And then that's when the major problem happened with them, where they saw how much money I was bringing in. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And they said, "There's no way we're letting you do these festivals alone. We're you're making enough to pay us and pay yourself <laughs> and cover your supplies. You're hiring us every weekend, and we're we're going to take care of the money because it was it was I couldn't manage the money. It was coming in too quick, and for me to keep my eyes on all of it yeah, was yeah. a challenge. Oh, I'm sure." Especially for a 15-year-old. Yes. Well, and at festivals, yeah. when it's cash and as things go, and you're you're trying to crank through lines and lines of people. Correct. And, it, you know, the kids are screaming and crying, you know, and <laughs> they're wanting it faster, and there was only one of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's at 15. Where, where, where did you take it from there? So I felt like I needed education and... I guess I should back up a little bit because I did take one face painting class and I'm hoping that everybody is listening would actually know this name because they're very famous in the haunt industry is uh, the Wolf Brothers, Nick and Brian Wolf. I don't actually know them. So they were the ones that really blew up in the face painting world and they actually took over the haunt industry because they were the, the major starters in makeup and face painting for theme parks. They were at Universal Studios, and they were kind of the founding... There was like eight of them that started doing the um, face painting for theme parks and, of course, the haunted houses. Uh So you got to take a class with, like, the godfathers of of face painting in the the attraction industry. Correct. And I, you know, it's funny looking back is, until I got on Skin Wars, I didn't realize the shoes that I had already stepped into <laughs> because I was a child. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, man, that's absolutely crazy. So that takes you to, like, the end of high school. Um, did you do formal any more formal training after that? So I did the Wolf Brothers. The Wolf Brothers were my first makeup class, and I actually did it at MHC. The Midwest Haunters Convention uh-huh. yep. was holding that makeup class. And it was funny because I want to say they had an age restriction and I didn't meet the criteria again. 
for that. But however, I had an awesome supportive mom who uh, fought her way in there. And uh, so that's the only reason why I got to take the Wolf Brothers class. And um, oh, snap. Hold on one second. So I took the Wolf Brothers class underage, actually. And what it was funny because they'll, they'll tell you the story about how they met me, you know, at MHC and taking these classes. And I was just so young. They mm-hmm. weren't mm-hmm. used to having a kid in the classes. And um, ironically, as we fast forward, at 18 Universal Studios hired me as a face painter. And guess who I got to work next to? The same people. <laughs> That's amazing. The people that taught me were now working right next to to me so yeah. that was a beautiful circle of life <laughs> no kidding so. how long were you with and, Universal? yeah i guess that made me different in high school because um you know you have the pep rallies and stuff and of course all my friends are calling me up saying hey can you paint my face as a tiger <laughs> you know the football game and homecoming so of course there was a lot of people that were in my my art at high school mm-hmm. and it got me known as the artist and I guess that's how I got most artistic for my senior class because I stood out very colorful and bright and I was everywhere. Yeah. And I did take every single art class that there was. I think I was the first person to to do that in my high school. And they ended up actually creating a second division art class for me just because I wanted one more level in it. I believe it was 2D painting. I, I took a second um, part of that. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I did stand out for art definitely in high school. So you took all of I this. I don't know if I should just keep going or <laughs> absolutely keep <laughs> going. I mean, it sounds questions. like you took all of this, uh, this experience and then got hired by universal studios right out of high school. So no, I, so when I was in high school, I hit freshman year and I was told it's time to know what you're doing with your life. And of course, mm. um, I was haunted houses full-time at that point uh-huh. and i knew i wanted to do acting and i wanted to do scenic design and i wanted to do costume and makeup so when i thought about it i said well how do i achieve all this but at a higher level and i thought why not go into the movie industry mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. so I, yeah. I started saying you know what i'm gonna aim for the movie industry how do what what college do i go to what what how does somebody like me go to school for what I'm doing. And then I thought about, it and I said, special effects. So my goal was special effects. And I went down to my high school counselor and I said, Hey, I want to be a special effects artist. What do I do next? What school do I go to? How, what school offers this? And unfortunately they gave me the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have expected like a blank face, like deer in the headlights kind of look out of my career counselor in high school. Did you get something at least better than that? that. It was that, yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was. I came from a small town, and you want to go big. And yeah. nobody had done that yet. So, of course, I was the first one trying for that field. And they told me, oh, well, special effects is a broad field. You have to choose a category of it, mm. which was the wrong answer. You should never have told me that. So then I, as a high schooler, you know, and it was funny because this was my freshman year. You know, most students don't know by their senior year what they're going to do. But my freshman year, I decided I was going to go into special effects. And the category I was going to tackle first was, of course, 
makeup. Makeup. Because it was it was my strongest thing at that time, and I thought, well, I'll knock the easiest thing out of the way, and then <laughs> go from there, and I'll move up in college and do the next thing. And I came home and I told my parents, I said, okay, I'm going to be a special effects makeup artist first. And they looked at me and I said, okay, well, what's the game plan? And I said, we have to go see all the schools. And my mom said, well, this sounds like a vacation for spring break. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, my mom was right there ready. She was like, well, I'm glad that you know this by freshman year. If I can get this planned out by now, then this is going to make the rest of your high school career for me easy. (laughs) And uh, so we looked into Tom Savini, and um, I was super excited because I was such a huge fan of him. Um, I really looked up to Tom Savini. He he did all my favorite movies. And uh, so we went all the way up to Ohio to see him, and I think it was Christmas break that year. And it was so exciting working up to it, and then I finally got to him, and it was the biggest disappointment of my life. Oh, to no! This day. How come? I was so heartbroken because I got to his table, and he immediately was like, 20 bucks for an autograph. And I was like, oh, I I don't need an autograph. I just, <laughs> I'm interested in your school. Mm. And uh, for I, what, I don't even remember what age that was, was 16, I think. And uh, he was like, oh, okay, cool. I don't handle that stuff. Go over to that table. And he literally pushed me off, and I was like, my idol was right in front of me, and he was just like, I don't And he's pushing you away. Oh, that's so Uh, sad. No. And it was like my first time meeting an idol, so I was like heartbroken. No, I feel Um, like I'm heartbroken for you. (laughs) Oh, my mom was literally like, I can't believe this just happened, and (laughs) – And, of course, I could see, looking back at my mom, I'm like, oh, my God, she probably was thinking that was it. I was going to change my mind on everything. But fate hit. I have really good karma I've learned in life. Um, As soon as that happened, I was so upset that I went up to the room, and she goes, why don't you just paint your face, and then we'll go back down to the the ball. And I said, okay, cool. Let's do it. And I painted some really messed up thing because I was really upset. It was, like, really gory. I remember that. And I walked downstairs, and it was like the whole room was looking at me. And um, my mom's behind me, and the news was ironically there interviewing Miss Shock, which was very famous at that time for her history of, you know, horror hosting and everything. Uh-huh. And she looked over and saw me, and she said, hold on, everybody. I got to go talk to this guy, this kid. <laughs> and uh, as soon as she came over, the news was right behind her. And they're like, can we put her on? Can we put him on? Can he go with you? And and sure enough, I ended up on the news that night. And, oh, uh, awesome. <laughs> so that was a good turning point for me. Did you, did you ever hear back from Tom Savini after that? I ran as far as I could from that man. And <laughs> I think he's a great guy. I you know, I, it could have been a bad day. He could have missed his coffee that morning. I mm-hmm, don't know. Mm-hmm. So I don't have anything against him now. It was I was a kid that that just hit home. Yeah. And yeah. luckily yeah. it did because it forced me to look into all the makeup schools. And so spring break, my mom and dad flew out me to Florida, and we met with Joe Belasco. And Joe Belasco was the complete opposite. He was so excited. He said I was one of the youngest people to approach the school. And um, he was very strict, which was uh, not not what I was looking for in a makeup world. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you need to take anatomy. You need to take this. You need to have this. You need to have straight A's. And, of course, I listened, and uh, 
I went for the straight A's right then and there. And yeah. I think he was just saying that because uh, I don't know why he told me that because you didn't need any of that for <laughs> makeup school. He probably saw your potential and was like, I don't want you to do anything that might jeopardize this. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but that was when I, of course, went to Universal Studios for the first time also. Um, and that's like, like when, visiting it. Uh, Visiting it and seeing the, um, here's, here's where everything kind of clicked was that spring break is when I got my first picture with the mummy still walkers. Oh. And I looked at my mom and I said, isn't it funny? I just learned how to walk stilts. And it was that year I learned how to walk stilts and uh-huh. I became the icon for the haunted house. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if I was a stilt walker here after high school? <laughs> and my mom just said, that would be cool. And you know, neither of us ever imagined that that was going to be what happened four years later yeah, when I graduated yeah. high school. And damn and it, that, that is exactly I what happened. I got my foot in the door. <laughs> nice. I literally got my foot in the door at Universal with a pair of stilts. That's, so, so you had your stilts in the door. Was, yep, literally. That was... <laughs> it, I, I can't believe that. It was so funny because I didn't realize that moment was so special until... Like, three years later, after working at Universal, I was looking at a picture, and I go, oh, my God, I remember the, meeting the mummy Stiltwalkers <laughs> and telling my mom that this would be cool, but it never, I never, never would have imagined me there. No kidding. What inspired you to start learning, like, stilts when you were a teenager? Okay, that, this, this is a great story. So, I you remember the hayride that I designed for? Right. Well... They decided that they wanted their billboards and everything to be focused on the iconic role that they were going to be re- releasing that year, which was a scarecrow on stilts. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I was always wanting to be center of attention. I grew up in the theater <laughs> doing it. And I said, I got to have that role. And they looked at me and they said, it's, it's got to be a still walker. You can't do it. And I said, well, who's going to do it? And they said, we don't know. We're going to post it. We're going to look for a still walker. And I said, okay, cool, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and uh, they got the stilts in, and they said, well, if you really want it, let's try it. Let's put you on it. So they, I remember getting up on a toolbox in the mm-hmm. middle of the haunted house. They strapped the stilts on me, and they said, here's a pole. Good luck. We're going <laughs> to go inside. When you're hungry, come inside. And I didn't know how to take them off. <laughs> <laughs> so... Hours later, I just kept walking through the haunted house in these periscopes, and uh, I, I don't know. It was natural for you me, I guess. You got really good and at it in that time, I bet. <laughs> it, and I did. And here was the catch is I could walk through the haunted house no problem because the walls and everything. Sure. But to get to the house, it was down a gravel hill and over a oh. I know, and then over a electrical fence oh, for the horses. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And somehow I managed to do it all and was able to tap on the kitchen window and say, I'm ready to get off these. <laughs> and, of course, that was the end of that story. I had the job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was the cheapest labor in town. <laughs> <laughs> Teach me things. I'll do whatever you want. Oh, yep. that's fantastic. I gotta say, so that's you know, how Kyle Vest started stilt walking. Yeah, that is such a great story. 
I've been playing around with stilts for the last several months, basically since I took your class. I'm getting better. I like use the the tailgate of the truck to get myself on and off. So I think I have it a little bit easier than you did. But I'm trying to do things like going up a grassy hill and um, maneuvering around leaves and sticks and and stuff like that. It's not easy. Like I I have lots of bruises on my bum. Is what I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> At least you don't have broken arms yet. We're Not, doing good. We, that's right. I, one thing just I learned. Knock on some when wood falling, before you have problems. Yep. When you start to fall, just tuck and roll. Don't don't tuck use and those roll. arms. <laughs> that's right. Tuck and roll. I will try to keep tuck that in mind roll. as I, as I'm going down. Tuck and roll. Kyle says tuck and roll. Remember it. Got it. Yep. And when you <laughs> fall, it's in slow motion. It's really weird. You think you're going to go really fast. Mm-hmm. Every time you fall on stilts, it's like, oh, here I go. I'm falling, and there's nothing I can do about it, and I'm down. <laughs> I love that you can you like know the thought process that's going through your head as you're doing this. About five falls in my whole entire career, so I, I know a fall really well. <laughs> Only five? We yes, and sad, sadly, the worst story was my first fall was in front of uh, my high school cheerleaders when the haunt decided to put me in a, a running parade handing out flyers for the haunted house that year and <laughs> i could not keep up and uh-huh. i also lost my pants and oh, the pants oh no me oh down. no <laughs> so oh i could just imagine oh that's terrible and i didn't know the tuck and roll rule yet yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard one to learn Especially when you're flying from a height and you're like, no, I want to break my fall. And it's like, nope, tuck and just dissipate your energy as best you can. So I I luckily had a very strong father who saw it coming and he reached out really quick with one arm and it it slowed me down. Slowed you down. Maybe I shouldn't touch the ground with my hand. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fastest way to a broken wrist I can give you for advice. And that is the truth. I learned that when I was eight years old. And it's funny because now if you go to Disney World, I'll, I'll give you this little secret. If you see somebody walking around with their arms up in cast, that's because Disney teaches you to fall with your hands out. Mm, keep that so in mind. So you will occasionally see a, a person walking around doing light duty and uh-huh. you'll be like, that must be a stilt walker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tucking that one away in the back. So... For all of us amateur stilt walkers or other home haunters who want to get into some kind of stunt work, what advice do you have for for us noobs other than tuck and roll? Tuck and roll, yeah. I always recommend uh, starting with stilts. Stilts is, as crazy as it sounds, is probably one of the safer routes to go in learning. Mm-hmm. As long as you know to tuck and roll <laughs> and you can walk with your poles, you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. I modified a pair of crutches, you know, that I got for super cheap, moved the handles all the way to the top of the of the bar to uh, for my poles, and I could not believe how much more stable I was once I was able to use my arms like that. It's true. And then all you have to do is one day take one of those crutches away, and the next take the other one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would think core strength plays a really big part in doing, I mean, not just stunt work, but definitely for stilts. Because your entire center of, center of gravity is adjusted. It's so weird. It's in such a weird place. You use almost all your muscles, and it's weird that you would think it. But until that you start walking, and then the next day you wake up, and you're, like, sore. <laughs> <laughs> it's sore everywhere. Do you ever 
like modify the ends of either the stilts or if you're using sticks um, to make like uh, to try to make fake feet or whatever? Or does that interfere with the function of the stilts? Um, I I personally try not to because it does make it harder. Mm-hmm. However, I've been casted in the hardest role at Universal, which is the stilt elf, which makes it look like the, a little person on gift boxes. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I, I, I can send not, you a I'm, picture. I'm curious. Yeah, please do. And they basically put giant boxes around your stilts, which are very greatly appreciated by wind. Um, <laughs> and you have to walk very bow-legged. So you're almost like walking on a horse, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yep. And that is uh, one of the hardest, it is the hardest role at Universal that I know of. And I got cast in it all four years that they had it. Um, unfortunately, they got rid of the character. It doesn't fit their new IPs. Um but it was my favorite role, so... Interesting. So, like, each leg was a stack of presents? Yep. Oh, that sounds terrible to walk in. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the wind picks it right up. Like, you'll take a step, and then all of a sudden your foot's not coming down. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> oh, a scary sure. feeling. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, Les, you want to talk makeup before we jump into Skin Wars? Yeah, so... God, there's, you have so much makeup experience. It's it's just so impressive to me. Uh. What's kind of your favorite type of makeup to do? I mean, obviously horror, but even within horror, there's so many different styles and different ways of doing um, special effects makeup. Yeah, there is. That's a tough question. You know, I've never been asked that. Ooh, I love it. And that huh, point for me. I, that Get the scoop. Like it would be the most common question, and I, <laughs> I can't think of anybody asking that. Um, who I like care what they would call characters. So creating a character would be my favorite. I know it sounds very generic, but when you get into face painting and body painting, um, it, there's several different stylings, and I think mine would definitely be character. And if you saw Skin Wars, it's normally the ones I uh, dominated in was mm-hmm. character. And um, unfortunately, that's how I ended my career with Skin Wars was <laughs> we got a character challenge, and I didn't get to do a character because I was partnered with somebody that was a storyteller. Um, I and that was definitely a character challenge. <laughs> I, I know. Play nice. Play nice. I I keep I keep replaying the the sad story in my head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. But it was definitely a character challenge, and I knew it, and I should have just bit the bullet and took charge. Even though the show made it, I guess we could talk about Skin Wars. Um, I'll, I can go into that real quick. Is that challenge was a kick in my face? If everybody knows that it was. It was that was the challenge I could have easily won if I took the lead and I should have. However, I was partnered up with somebody and they they were strongly excited about it. And you know what? I said, here's here's what I can teach you. And then let's take your award winning skills and we'll make a happy marriage in between. And unfortunately, I should have just put my foot down and been like, you know what? I've this is what I've been doing my whole life. Like, <laughs> let me, let me take the reins like I did on the four challenge. And, um, and then unfortunately when I watched it on TV and saw the outcome, I was like, Oh my goodness. Camera angles made me look like that was my idea. And it wasn't at all. Yeah. They, they completely portrayed it as like you were leading the team and it was it your was a heartbreaking moment. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh my God. I'm sure. And I, like, and I, they... I didn't realize 
I didn't realize how set up it made me look because it's funny I when you watch it, it, it looked like Cheryl Ann was asking me, oh, what color should I use? I have no idea. I don't remember her even asking that question uh-huh. and looking at me. So, again, camera angles can change a whole story. And that story did change completely once it hit TV. And sadly, there was a lot that got edited out. And it, I wish for once in my life that they would have showed my bad side because it did come out that episode. Oh. Um, and I thought, I honestly thought you guys would all see the actual darker side of Kyle because I had behaved that whole show and then finally I thought it was that time for me to put my foot down and show them the dark side of me and give them what I thought they were looking for which was drama Mm -hmm. and what happened was that episode actually had a guest judge the guest judge immediately had comments toward me when he walked in the room didn't know who I was didn't know my name didn't know anything walked right by me and said I, it wasn't worth his time to talk to me. Wow. And I was like, oh. And um, at this point, there now, when I was on the show, Cheryl Ann was rock bottom. And uh-huh. nobody really knew that, I guess. Through watching the TV, she came off as the bad person. She came off as the mean one. When in actuality, in real life, she was actually being played as the victim. So... From my standpoint, I was the nice one of the house. I was the one that was always there for Cheryl Ann. She cried, unfortunately, almost every night toward the end of that season because it was really hard being on the show and being made fun of constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the contestants were constantly, you know, making fun of her because she did in her head have the mentality that I've won worlds. I am the best of the best. I should be winning all these challenges. What's going on? What's wrong? And I think for her, it was just that she didn't understand that this wasn't a body painting competition, but a a reality show. A reality show. Yeah. yeah, In body painting world, it is way different because in body painting world, they don't do characters, which is why I don't compete. Mm -hmm. When you go to a competition for body painting, it's all based on telling a story through all the artwork that you can paint Uh it's illustrations and putting as much as you can on the body whereas i would rather make somebody look like a creature or have them come to life and be able for people to be like wait is that an alligator or a human i'm confused (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that's what i like i don't i don't i mean i love when people do the storyboards and sherlyn is amazing at that Unfortunately, on the TV show, they didn't storyboarding. You don't have enough time when they do storyboarding. They spend eight to, you know, 10 hours painting a body. We mm. didn't get that kind of time. So yeah. really storyboarding was not meant for skin wars. And that that is where Cheryl Ann was, I think, confused by that. And um, so I was always there for Cheryl Ann. And I think when it came down to that episode, I was the last man standing for Cheryl Ann. There, mm. there was nobody they're holding her hand off stage and saying, hey, it's going to be okay, keep pushing. That was me. And when we got approached by the guest judge, it was, okay, what's going on, you two? It wasn't, how's your artwork? It was They didn't care what we were painting. They didn't care about our concept. It was, why are you guys so friendly? And then the guest judge said, I think it's a bunch of bull crap. I think you guys are faking it. You're not friends. You don't like each other. Oh no, we lost him. Ruh-roh. Ruh-roh. 
That was just getting good. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a lesson for everybody who watches reality TV shows. There's a lot of adjusting that it's done to tell a particular story that the producers want to see. That's what that was exactly the question I want to ask. Thank you guys. Oh, we dropped you right when it was getting <laughs> juicy. <laughs> That's how it always is, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so, so if we get back into it real quick. Yeah, go. Is, so the guest judge just didn't believe that our friendship was strong at the beginning of that episode. And he gave us a lot of grief over it. And at that point, Sarah Lynn and Rio had it out hardcore. It, oh, they, really? Those two did not like each other at all. I thought I felt some of that animosity in his looks, but you know, it's hard to tell with how much is edited. Oh, it was it was definitely Rio didn't get to show his true colors until the when he finally got eliminated. You guys actually saw what we all saw the entire time. Interesting. Um, Again, camera angles make everybody whoever they want. Yeah. And Rio was definitely on there to win it for himself from the get-go. And he made sure we all knew it. And so being actually in the house with Rio was difficult because he wasn't a fan of any of us. Mm. And I, and it, it, looking back, I, was, I hope none of us made it hard for him either. As much as I saw Cheryl Lance struggling, it was difficult. So those two, it was constantly. And then that episode, the guest judge was best friends with Rio. And so there was oh man tension between the three of them. And then, of course, I was thrown into that mix as the one trying to stand up for the one that the guest judge and the guest judge best friend didn't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so we, we struggled through that challenge. It was definitely... We felt heat the whole time. It was there was no nobody was supporting me or Cher Land at that that whole time. But you know what? We we stuck stuck through it, and we got to the the final round. Well, when we finally hit the stage, they put us first, and we weren't ready. We we didn't know what was going to happen. There was no. They don't warn you. They don't say, okay, you're going to walk out, and this is going to happen. None of that happened in that episode. Of course, with all the aerialists performing. We had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it hit hard. We thought we were doing really well. It looked great from all of our angles. We didn't see that ours was a bad, bad as what the TV said it was. Mm-hmm. I knew d- deep down that we weren't going to win it uh, for sure because I knew it was a character challenge. But this is where it all turned pretty dark. We hit the stage. Me and Sherilyn. I'll set the stage for you. Me and Sherry Land hit the stage with our artwork and we're feeling confident. We're smiling, loving it. We're staying strong. And that guest judge just rips on us and mm. it had nothing to do with our artwork. It's like, okay, cut the BS. Why are you guys friends? And <laughs> why are you faking this? You guys don't look like you're really friends in real life. And I literally couldn't take it anymore because I had been told all the way up to that point that the judges kept pushing. They kept saying, Kyle, you got to stop being so humble and stand up for your artwork and tell everybody that it is worth watching and it is the best of the best. Because if you guys didn't know during the horror challenge, I I didn't think I deserved it. I thought Aaron Yeah, Fox, I saw you say that. Aaron Fox had really the hardest piece out of it, and she took it on because she knew it was the hardest. So I, I honestly felt Aaron deserved it. Even though I came up with the concept, Aaron was, to this day, she's still the love of my life. I love Aaron to death. 
And she's the only one that was on the show that was in the Honda industry with me. So mm-hmm. we had a real strong bond. But at that point, the judges kept hounding me. Well, you got to stand up and say you're the best. You just got to. So finally, next round came around, and they were just reaming us, just telling us we weren't good enough, we weren't cut out for the show, and that Cheryl Ann didn't deserve to be there. And at that point, everybody was looking at Cheryl Ann like she wasn't worth it, and it was killing me because I had been there the night before with her crying, and so I literally stomped my foot. Are you kidding me? Oh, man. If he's going to be dropping, we should probably try and get to the rest of the pieces that we want to hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I'm freaking enthralled. We can, we can bring him back. Okay, while we take a moment and try to get him back again, let's take a break, hear from our sponsors, and by the time that is done, we should be back into this. I don't know why it keeps dropping. I don't either. It's dropping, but like always at the best part. Okay, so we're back at it. We're getting yelled at saying basically that we're not friends. And um, I said, listen, I'm putting my foot down for real. And it was funny because I literally stopped my foot. And you could see <laughs> I was just, I was livid. I, I couldn't believe that this judge was just, who never knew any of us, was just telling me that that I didn't really like her and all this stuff. And I said, you don't know me. I don't know who you are. And in fact, I, I never even heard of you before. And I, I gave him my true opinion. I said, I've known every guest judge on this show. You're the first one I've never even heard of. And I don't believe your credentials are real. Oh, so that probably damn. wasn't the best move. And well, I if said, they're going to be railing on you, they better have the credentials to back it up. Well, good on you for standing up for yourself. And it was the first time in history I've ever stood up for myself. And now I'm, <laughs> I'm totally scared to stand up for myself because it, you saw the end result. Yeah. But it was the first time that both Robin Solini, the other judge, and Craig Tracy literally stood up and applauded for me and said, it's about time you you took a stand, Kyle. It's, <laughs> but what I didn't realize, it was too late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, it was brutal. It was... It was a lot of screaming back and forth, and mm-hmm. I swore that it was going to air. I thought, oh, my God, they're going to make me look like this horrible person. And that's all I could. So imagine, you know, that six months afterwards, I'm just debate. Like, that's all I could remember is like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I'm going to be known as this kid that freaked out at the end because I was standing up for Cheryl Ann and standing up for our art. And I, I didn't think we deserved to go home. I, I honestly didn't. So I was really aggressive, and I don't think I was bad, but in my head it, it came off really wrong. Yeah. And it was funny. I literally stomped my foot and said, I'm putting my foot down right now, and I'm going to stand <laughs> up. And I, I'm sure there was tears because I got emotional, but mm-hmm. um, it got really hard because then right after that, they what you don't see, and I don't think they ever show it, is the contestants always get asked, who do you think should go home? Uh-huh. And... So they're all standing up there, and the hardest thing I've ever felt, which was like a brick wall to my chest, was, who do you think should go home? And it literally went down the line, one by one, they each said my name, and I was like, oh my god, what did I do? Because I did not see it coming. I did not think I was the weakest one. Yeah. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to win the show from the get go. Like I, but I, I did, you know, we sat down every day you, you, you get home and the first thing you guys do is you, you predict who's going to go to the top three. <laughs> and, um, yeah. it really stunk because we predicted that it was going to be, um, Avi winning the show, Aaron Fox getting runner up and then me getting third place. So in my head, like it kept, everything kept lining up to that. Yeah. So I, yeah. I honestly thought, you know, that I had a chance to make it to the top three. But you guys know the fate set that day, and it was it was hard. How much so, do you think is like predetermined by the judges? You know, you can't say it was predetermined by the judges, but the producers. I, I you know, say I can't producers. say. Yeah, I can just say from camera angles because there was a lot of times that we, you know, people got sent home, and you'd be like, wait, why did they just wait? This makes no sense. In yeah. real life, nothing made sense. But then when it aired on TV and hearing the judges and what their opinions were and how they approached the situation, mm-hmm. yeah. it makes sense. It makes you go, oh, that makes sense, and that's, that's why they should go home. But there was a few that went home, and um, I still, to this day, I'm so upset they sent Fernella home because, and I know everybody in the world thinks me and Fernella were arch enemies from the get-go, when actually we were best friends. So <laughs> <laughs> That's great. He was the only one that was brutally honest to uh-huh. me. And he, he was the only one that actually came home and would be like, hey, Kyle, it's time to talk. And I'd be like, yeah, what about? He goes, I went in the room and I said a lot of bad things about you in <laughs> private. And it's going to come out on TV. So I'm telling you now. And I don't know why his honesty really just made me love that kid so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. And... And of course, since he was doing it, I was like, well, I guess I can go tomorrow and talk crap about you. And um, <laughs> which it, it became more fun than anything. And, mm-hmm. I, and when it aired, I think it, it, it aired right on my end. It, it came off as you could tell I was joking. But unfortunately on him, he came off very arrogant. And uh, mm. I, I had a lot of fans like writing him and Cheryl Ann. By the way, him and Cheryl Ann got a lot of death threats. From my what? what? Uh, <laughs> come on, guys. Which, it's TV. And it, it is. It's TV, guys. Come on. <laughs> um, and I'm like, you guys are sending it to the wrong person, by the way. But I'm not going to say who you should have been sending it <laughs> yeah, to. <seriously>. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, was, it was really fun having Fernello there. And when they sent him home, it was a complete shock to everybody. Mm. Because his didn't do bad it was not bad at all it was during the drag queen challenge and i hate to say the worst one was who won the show uh and everybody knew it lana overkilled it yeah it was a disaster and um it was hard because me lana and sherlyn were probably the closest they called us it, this is a little inside joke for everybody they called us the Swedish Blonde Mafia uh, <laughs> because we were good at taking out the competition. Ooh, Secretly, we knew uh-huh. how to do that, I guess. I didn't. I don't know what we were doing, but apparently we were doing it. Uh, and, of course, that's, <laughs> it, it was said that from the very beginning. And then, ironically, the very first episode, all three of us made it into the top. And everybody yeah. was like, yeah, mm-hmm. we got to watch out for those three. <laughs> I, I got to ask a couple questions about about your time on Skin Wars. Uh, I didn't realize Avi Ran was on there with you. Were you friends with him before the show? 
Yes. So me and and it's funny because if you you watch the TV show, they make it look like me and Avi never knew each other. Yeah. And I don't know how they edit it because when I came dancing in and prancing through that that room like a fairy, the first thing I said was, "Oh my God, my best friend Avi is here." <laughs> Somehow that edited. Somehow and, it got cut um, out. Yeah. Now, however, we were just you know. Me and Avi, when we met, which was actually, I think it was that year of Skin Wars, it, we were, um, we hit it off immediately. Me and him were friends from the get-go. I, I drove down to um, Fort Lauderdale and visited him and his lifestyles and everything. And we were good. We were friends. And then when we got on the show, though, it was life-changing for the both of us because mm. we were roommates as I don't know if you could be on the show who roommates were. No, but it wasn't me clear. And Avi, yeah, me and Avi were bunk bed buddies. Um, he was on the bottom of the bunk and I was on the top. And just going through the season, our friendship was stronger and stronger each episode. And we depended on each other. I He knew I was one of the weaker links on the show and I think he just wanted me there, you know, just because we were supportive of each other. Yeah. yeah so yeah. our bond, I, I, I don't think I would have made it as far as I did if it wasn't for Avi on that show. And I should probably tell him that. He probably doesn't know. Well, send him a link but, to our podcast and he'll get to hear from you. Yeah, I, I definitely will. I just, I, and then he'll he'll be calling you up saying, why'd, he get, why'd I get it, not him? Uh, uh, we'll bring him on too. No, absolutely. This is your uh, invitation, Avi, if you hear this. Uh, contact me and we will bring you on. <laughs> I, I'll make sure he comes. Don't me. Um, so yes, during the TV show, me and Avi grew extremely close. And I think when we got eliminated, when I got eliminated, I, I guess I didn't real. I, there's another thing that happened when I got eliminated is I don't, I never knew that I was important to the show at all. I, I always saw myself as the weaker link. Mm hmm. And it, it, especially from the beginning, because a lot of people, here's another fun fact is I actually, I, here's a, here's a sad story that I'm going to jump into about Universal and my life with makeup is I was in the makeup department for Universal and two years before Skin Wars, I finally broke and I couldn't work at Universal in the makeup department anymore because of the way I was getting treated. Mm. I was actually bullied and picked on and it was not easy for me to do the bigger events because there it was very clicky at universal in the makeup department interesting and i did come in and i did jump ranks right off the bat i didn't jump right to airbrushing which nobody had done before mm -hmm. so a lot of people that were waiting in line for that role and saw me jump immediately into that i think it set bad fires but it got too hard for me to where I was getting harassed outside of Universal by makeup artists. So I, I threw the talent. I said, you know what? I make more money doing stilts and skating and all the fun stuff. And I'd rather be a crowd pleaser. So I'll just quit the makeup department. And I did. I walked away. And of course, when I walked away from that, I dropped makeup completely. I just, it was, it wasn't for me. Yeah. And at that point, it was ironic that Skin Wars actually did call me. And I was like... <laughs> uh-oh, maybe I should do this, and maybe I shouldn't quit. Well, I made it to the audition for Skin Wars. Well, I didn't fly out to Skin Wars, but I got the call to do the video 
submissions for season one. Uh-huh. And at that time, nobody knew about it. There was no auditions. It was They were contacting everybody for season one. Interesting. And so when I got that call, I was, I of course, had auditioned for Face Off a few times. And I just wasn't making the, the drama cut for Face Off. <laughs> and now I know it now. I always went in saying my life was perfect. I had everything I wanted. You know, I had the perfect uh-huh. you had the- I had the. I had the great parents. I had no, there was no issues in my life. And yeah, yeah. if you know reality no, TV, no need trauma, the drama. They want. Need the drama, they, yeah. You yep. have to have drama. And yep. I didn't have that. And I, I, I literally was the happiest kid on earth. And I always will be, I think. I think that's just something I was born with. So I never made it on Face Off. And it sucks because I made it on... Face Off season one, I made it all the way to the end of auditions, like literally. Mm. And it was with, and it was funny because it came down to all my icons. It was oh um, me, the Wolf Brothers. Both the Wolf Brothers were in there. Nick Carrera, which was at that time, you know, the leading airbrush artist, and Connor, who ended up winning the show. It came down to like the five of us, and I think I want to say Laura was actually there too, who ended up winning. God, she won two face-off seasons, I think. So right then and there, I wish I would have looked back and realized that I made it that far with that amount of talent because at that point I was only 18 and Mm -hmm. I didn't see Mm -hmm. that. I I thought I was just the lucky kid that got pushed through the audition. And and now looking back, I was like, oh, maybe I did have some talent. Um, (laughs) So I, but it did, it did burn out me that I wasn't getting casted for that show. Yeah. Yeah. And so when Skin Wars did call me for season one, I did get excited and I was, I thought I had it. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, a month went by. Why haven't I heard? And I called them up. I called the producers. I said, Hey, when's the final audition? And they're like, Oh, we started filming last week. Oh. And I was like, Why didn't you guys call and tell me I didn't make it? Yeah, seriously. Because by that point, I had already told my parents, <laughs> you know, so I, now, I guess this is a this is going to be something that isn't really public um, oh. that would be exciting. You you guys will be one of the first ones that get to hear this. Do tell. Do tell. Season two rolls around for Skin Wars, and like I said, I had already quit makeup, mm-hmm. and I had left the makeup world, and I went into the aerial ice skating, which we can go into that later. But I had left the country. I ended up dropping everything. I went in went into my aerial ice skating career in Mexico. Right. And I moved there. So there was no more makeup in my life. Well, Mexico ended and I came back. And of course, I didn't pick up any makeup. I still kept with the concerts and everything. And all of a sudden, I did get a call to come back into the makeup world, but not doing any of the stuff for Skin Wars, but more of the face-off stuff. I became the special effects teacher at Joe Belasco. Oh, and Yes, but unfortunately, that's when the skin wars rolled around and oh, called me. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, man. So the one time I finally move into the real professional career of teaching and being a professor in the, the makeup world, and I went through the whole process. I mean, I, I got the job, and um, unfortunately, it was, I think, my third class in, and I was like, I got to go. Uh, <laughs> I had to quit I, the job. I can't turn down this opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, because I would been waiting for it. Yeah. Now this is this is the part that I don't really let out. That, but if you paid attention in my life career, you will pick up what happened. And if you watched TV, you actually would have saw it. 
is when I got back from Mexico, I had auditioned for America's Got Talent. Oh. And and I auditioned that year three times with my ice skating partner in Mexico. We had submitted videos. And then I had submitted a video with a young, amazing, super talented kid, Emma Brer. And we auditioned as a couple going on like it was I was her teacher in Ariel she I was I was only there a little bit in her life she had lots of Ariel teachers mm. but her mom had approached me about America's Got Talent and said hey they had reached out to us but we really don't feel like it's just her we want to bring you in and make it like a dual couple and I said sure that would be really cool to have a student you know and carry them on to a TV show so we submitted our video as well for that and by that point, I said, you know what, I'm going to try myself as well. And <laughs> that was the year after they just had aerial ice skating on TV, which was what I was doing in Mexico when that yeah. aired. And when I saw that, I said, well, dang, they're not even doing aerial tricks. They're just flying in the air with their ice skates. And here I am in Mexico doing flips and all these dangerous, <laughs> risky tricks. And watching them on TV, I said, oh, my God, if I go on TV the world is going to shake because they were so famous at that point for doing something that wasn't mm. actually seen in real life. You uh -huh. know? So I ended up submitting my aerial ice skating video and that was the one that actually got picked. <laughs> so nice. out of all three of my auditions, they called me back and they said, congratulations, you had made it on America's Got Talent. We are flying you out to do the final audition and it was weird because I actually didn't audition. I just went in and introduced myself to the judges. And they asked me to come in on stilts. So I entered the room on stilts. And, uh, and there, was, there was other things coming along with that. There was, I had put on there that I wasn't just going to aerial ice skate, but I was also going to fly with stilts and do some fire tricks in the air, which hadn't been done yet. Uh -huh. And... So they said, come in on your stilts. We're not going to rig you because we didn't have the access point at the the place that we were doing the audition. Sure. And right then and there, I got the golden ticket moment. And so it was weird because there is a whole nother world that nobody knows about America's Got Talent. As it is a reality show, there is also the, the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit of a life changer to see that side because I had never saw that side and never knew about it. Because I hadn't done Skin Wars yet. Right, right, right. Um, this is your first foray so, into it. Correct. So there was that whole, like, there's other things besides reality. And um, <laughs> so I did the commercial shoot that day at my final audition. And it did air. So you actually saw me on Miami's audition doing the golden ticket run out. And the, they did me walking through the crowd seeing, um, I they put me with another comedian and we were talking about it, and unfortunately, I knew the comedian wasn't going to make it, and she hadn't auditioned yet. It was one of those moments where they were filming the person that wasn't going to make it, but they had the great story to tell on oh, TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to look and see if I can find this video somewhere and, and post it for our listeners to see as well. The Miami audition. Did we lose him again? Mm. No? Maybe? Yeah, two or three in the call. Ah. Uh. All right, we we need to wrap this up because we are running long. Yeah, we're running very long, and we barely touched on. I know a lot. <laughs> it's okay. We can have him back. We, we can, can have him back. We can have him back. Yep. There he is. 
Uh, I was so, just saying that uh, I got to track down this video of the Miami edition and, and, and share it for our listeners. I know. And if you find it, send it because I've yet to find it. Okay. Yeah, I will do my best. <laughs> I've been searching for it. Um, I do have, I think, a picture of it on Facebook. I finally let it out. I wasn't technically supposed to, I don't think, but I did anyway. Um, <laughs> so then you guys are probably now wondering why I didn't go on the show. Kind of curious. Close yeah, the loop. So, so this is the part that kind of stinks, and it was heartbreaking, is when you get um, accepted on America's Got Talent, you, of course, get the contract. And in the contract, which at that point I did have lawyers involved because mm-hmm. I had went through with season one auditions of Skin Wars and I was smart and got a lawyer about mm, that. Yeah. Good. But with America's Got Talent, I actually got two lawyers involved because the packet was so much reading and there was so much that I knew I was going to miss. But in there, it said that I had to pay for my act. What? The first two rounds. Yeah, the first two rounds you pay for your mm. act. And then the third round, they reimburse you if you make it all the way through. Wow. And, and as you guys would assume, my aerial ice skating act is outrageous. I, just alone I for imagine. the ice skating stage, it was $6,000 just for my ice Woo. plastic ice stage. Oof. And I assumed that they would have that stage because they had it the year before, and I didn't realize that the, the group that had aerial ice skated the year before had actually brought that. They brought it with them. Yeah. So, and I could not find anybody to sponsor me because I couldn't even announce it. So there was a lot of disappointment there. And, you know, to this day, I still kick myself for not just, you know, flat out announcing it. Hey, I have this huge opportunity. I think I could have probably gotten an investor at that time. But as you all know, the season two rolled around and I got the phone call. And this is where problem number two came in with America's Got Talent is I had signed the contract for season one of Skin Wars, which was actually say, stating that I couldn't go on another reality show yeah, for yeah. five mm. years, and I didn't realize that. Oh, and, man. Uh, of course, Skin Wars did pull that card out on me, and mm-hmm. they did. Now, here is where it gets super crazy. Guess who else called me that year? I can't even imagine. Like That was the year I got the face-off call. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and so it just all goes together at once. To it's so hard to believe that this all happened all within the same month. It was literally within two weeks I got all oh, three phone calls. Oh, my gosh. That's ridiculous. And, of course, I jumped on America's Got Talent because everybody knows America's Got Talent is the biggest turnout. Like, uh-huh. that was going to be the most success I could get. And, uh, and fortunately, it didn't, it didn't pan out for me. And yeah. it, it is what it is. But when Faceoff called, they, they screwed up by one little tick. They wouldn't pay for my flight to go to California for the final audition. <laughs> <laughs> and I ironically didn't have money. I wasn't going to ask for it either. Yeah. And at that point, I that was my like fifth time auditioning for Faceoff. Mm-hmm. And by that and time, you're I like, don't know eh. why. I didn't want it. Yeah. And... I, luckily, I didn't because there was somebody on that season that actually was the reason why I quit Universal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. So, so it, it sounds like you dodged a, really a bullet. Hard, yeah, I dodged a huge bullet because I don't know how I would have handled this situation. Because on reality TV shows, you don't realize how much you get pushed. Yeah. Yeah. Until you're in the situation. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's honestly how Skin Wars gets everything that they get. It's real. There's no there's nothing fake about Skin Wars. What you see is all real. 
it comes down to you you're on a clock you're under pressure that way you're also body painting probably two hours less than what you're used to so you Mm. can only imagine how that feels yeah and then you have to think we don't sleep and we don't eat and just those two things alone if you you try going a week without eating and sleeping and you you see how your body treats you so how how much time was the show filmed in like the entire run of the show was filmed in how long so skin wars took two and a half months and the only days we got off were sundays wow that is intense it's extremely intense because it is literally you know 14 hour days and by the time you get home you you're not done they film you at the house too so then you're then you go you get the second crew and that crew is now filming you Mm -hmm. doing all the interaction with contestants and it kind of stinks because they don't really show as much of that and i feel like that you learn a lot more about the contestants when they're home um but they they only want you to learn what they want you to learn correct and i think that's where you show your true colors is when you're finally like able to breathe because there is less stress when you're back in the house but it's funny because you see us cooking on camera, but most of the time that's not real. <laughs> we didn't we didn't eat until after the camera was done. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. was that was hard because you're like starving and all of a sudden they're like, Okay, start cooking, but don't eat, you know? Yeah. And it's like, uh, and everybody in the house is smelling it and you didn't get to choose where you were in the camera angles. So that made it even harder and uh I will not forget that. And then by the time, so you realize by the time that you get done filming, then you have everybody rushing to go to the shower, which there was two in our house, one for the male, one you? for the female. <laughs> yep. And there, at that point, you know, there's 12 contestants. So that's six people trying to get in a shower. Yep. And then you have cooking. You don't have food laying out for you. You have to cook it. So luckily for us, they had me and Dawn and I think it was Avi. We were the cooks of the house. And then they'll all tell you I was the maid. <laughs> they, had, they had a long going story about me being the maid of the house. And I'm sure if you interview Avi, he'll tell you about how funny it was. Because when I got eliminated, they didn't realize how much I cleaned. Oh, geez. Until the producers <laughs> came in and was like, what happened? And they were like, Kyle's gone. He was the only one that cleaned the house. That's what that's what you get for cutting him. That, that was it. Um, <laughs> oh, my so, gosh. Oh, but then this is how they build drama. Off, yeah, and then to top it all off, I was I didn't sleep at all. That two and a half months, I didn't sleep at all because I was the only one on that show that actually cared about looks. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I know it sounds bad, but I was so OCD about how I looked. I mean, I brought the most suitcases. I had a suitcase just for shoes. And if you guys watch the season, <laughs> I wear a different shoe for every single look I did. <laughs> I mean, it, and but what what's funny is I... I was obsessed with spray tanning and I thought for a fact that everybody in the world would learn this because I was so orange by that (laughs) final episode. And it's funny because everybody made fun of me because I spray tanned every night of the episode. Oh my goodness. So all the contestants were constantly making fun of me. They're like, Kyle, you're so orange. It's going to be even oranger on camera. Everybody's going to know. But I was so self-conscious that I didn't care. And if you watch the comedy one, you actually learn it because Sammy does a comedy about me being so about orange. About being orange. Yeah. Correct. 
But luckily, on camera, I knew how to do makeup, and I came out looking just. You came tan. out, look, yeah. You looked, you looked normal. I, I never noticed anything uh, particularly <laughs> orange about you. So how was that on your no skin? Sleep. It was a lot of spray tan. But, but I mean, like, and does, it, does was, it hurt your skin? Do you no, have to do something different, or it's, no. so it's not? No, it's not it's like that. It's like it. putting lotion on. It's, oh, okay. It's just like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it just has a chemical smell. And it was funny because I brought boxes of it because I couldn't have my airbrush. It was not allowed <laughs> to have airbrushes. Um, and you couldn't, so like, I use course, the one uh, on the stage, I take it? Nope. I had it in it. So that was the funny. And then I couldn't do it until everybody was in bed because I would destroy the tub. Oh, boy. <laughs> that was where I did it. So, you know, it's like 2 in the morning, and I would start spray tanning myself. And, oh, you know, Kyle. And then... It's like 2.30 by the time I get done, and I then have to clean the shower out because you can't leave the spray tanner in it. And then, you know, we're waking up at 4.30. Yeah, So I literally got about half an hour every night. Oh, man. How were you functioning? You can tell that I was struggling, I think, toward the end. But I I got – you know, another thing that I got made fun of is for my hair and my makeup. I wore more makeup than any girl on that show. But you know what? I you looked, looked good. You looked good. And I looked good. That's right. And by the fifth episode, all the guys were begging to borrow my makeup <laughs> because their bags and their, like, I mean, everybody, you can tell. If you look closely, you can see Everybody's all the exhausted. people are tired and exhausted yeah. and it was showing. Yeah. But I had so much makeup on, you would never know it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh, Kyle. Oh, the power of makeup. Yeah, seriously. I love it. I love we, it. We are running long. I want to wrap it up a little bit here. Yep. For people who are home haunters, they are trying to build, they want to do what you have done. What is your advice for that kind of person? YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. be surprised that you say that, but I mean... What can't you find on YouTube? Like You literally can say in Google nowadays what you want, and it pops right up. Yeah, yeah. And, and Google, or, and then YouTube, my best advice is watch other attractions on YouTube, you know, and just find things that you like. Let's say you're doing a carnival, and you watch, you know, you go on um, Halloween Horror Nights' Carnival of Carnage YouTube video you watch it and of course you know you're like wow that's a really cool effect i like that then all you have to do is look up how to build that or how to paint that it's there it's all on youtube mm. and then if it's not there there's always amazing people out there willing to you know talk i feel like our industry is very open if there if one person turns you down there's 10 other people in line that are going <laughs> to offer you it yeah. absolutely if people wanted to, let's say, take a class with you, are there any opportunities coming up? Yes. I will be at Fear Expo yes! in January. I was hoping <laughs> you would say that. Can you give us any, any sneak peeks? What will you be teaching at Fear Expo? I cannot say what I'll be teaching yet. However, however, I can tell you that you do not want to miss Fear Expo because – I have never launched what I'm getting ready to launch in history. Oh, damn it, Kyle. You (laughs) cannot leave me teasers like this. And then I'm going to leave another teaser is I'm not the only one coming in. 
there is a lot of other people that are not coming out of the the shelter with the announcement that they are coming big. And I'm not going to be that person because I, 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 I'm just really well connected and I, I caught on. <laughs> Nobody told me what was going on, but when I got calls to paint some things and do some things and mm-hmm. they needed a deadline, it's how I know when I'm doing somebody something for a reality show. I always know right off the bat, like I'll get a call to do a costume or, you know, do a wig for somebody. And then I'm like, wait, the deadline is in two weeks. This is going on TV. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I remember back at Fear Expo, there were a couple of times you were jumping in on classes, and I believe you were on a movie set. Can you reveal what you were doing yet? If you can't, it's okay. I'll cut this out. Sadly, I can't yet. (laughs) Uh, It was worth a shot. I thought I got excited because my mom called me, and she goes, hey, Kyle, um, your episode's on TV. And I said, no, it's not. She goes, yeah, it is. And I go, oh. No, it's not. That's a. It it looked like it was what I was working on, and it's not now. However, I think I can announce the move, the my first movie of this year that I did. Oh, it is on IMBD. What is it? Um, actually, I can announce two now, and I haven't announced them yet on any social media. So you guys <gasps> will be the first one. We get the exclusive. Ooh. I love it. Awesome. Yes. So there is a huge thriller movie coming out. It will be in. I believe theaters. I can't say for sure yet um, how it goes out because nowadays they're skipping theaters and getting paid off by streaming. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the one that I am on IMBD for, which if you IMBD me, that's the reason why I'm letting it out is you can find this out is the U S or no, the ISS, which stands for the international space station. And it is a thriller. Ooh. Like so. it's called I it's called ISS. Yes. If you look it up, I believe I believe it's called that. I have not gotten the official word if that is the title, but mm-hmm. I believe that is what it is on IMBD. Now, however, unfortunately, there is two ISSs coming out, but oh, um, <laughs> what, we are the one coming out first. Okay. What were you doing in it? So I was actually the lead textile, which. Basically stands for I did all the fabric and sewing for the entire space station. Dang. And they, so the entire set was actually done by me. <laughs> That's so freaking cool. That's I can, awesome. I am definitely going to have to check it out. What was the other one? It is, it's definitely a huge movie you do not want to miss. Yeah. And it is, I can say it's going to be a good one. Um, and then the next one is by Tyler Perry. Ooh. And it is, uh, I don't know, I've got to be careful what I say because I don't know what I can say. Um, I don't want to put you in a bad spot. No, it's good. It's on IMBD and you can look me up. And the movie is called Jazz Man. Jazz Man. Yep. And. I'm not for sure how much is let out by it. It's, but it's not IBD, uh, a jazz man's blues, is it? It might be. I'm, yeah, I'm on your IMDb. Oh, well, if you see it, then you are ahead of the game. Right. And you probably have the description there of what it is. Same with ISS. Follow an investigation to an unsolved murder, unveiling a story full of forbidden love, deceit, and a secret. Ooh. That sounds there exciting. There you go. <laughs> Very shiny. <laughs> well, awesome. And what did you do for that one? 
And that one, I was the head scenic artist. Head scenic that artist. Game. That is that is That's so exciting. Awesome. I cannot wait to see both of these just to see more of your work because your work is absolutely ridiculous. If our listeners wanted to see more of your work, where could they find it? The best spot, if you're interested in the movies, is obviously IMBD. They're the ones that release everything first. Sure. And then my Facebook, I keep up to date for most of the part. If you wanted to see my artwork, my Instagram, and... Of course, the TikTok is always fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, there will be links to all of those in the show notes. So if you have a hard time finding Kyle Vest anywhere on his social media, check out the show notes and you will be able to find it there. Kyle, any final thoughts for our listeners? This is going to yes. end up being like a two-hour episode, and I am totally okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to cut it in half and have two episodes. I love it. <laughs> Ooh, that's not a bad idea. So, that's not a bad idea. So my biggest advice goes out to I have two things one is life is hard there's bullies out there never give up and always strive to be the best of the best and then next I would say never give up because you're never going to get lucky every time on the first try Mm -hmm. and it could take 10 falls before you hit the top but I'm living proof I am dyslexic and I was told I wasn't going to make it far in life. And I think I've proven everybody wrong. Absolutely. And the only people that were really there the whole time was my parents, you know. So. That's awesome. Kyle, you are just an absolute inspiration. Thank you so much for taking the time out to come on talk with us, share your experiences, share some stories, laugh with us. We have had so much fun. It's been amazing. It's been so amazing. Aww. And there is so much more that like we didn't get to talk about and that we want to talk about. We're going to have to bring you back at some point to, to just keep picking your brain. I would love that. I would love it too. We will we will make it a date. So, thank Yay. you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. We will let you go for now cuz I know you are so busy. Uh but we will be in touch and and we'll try to set this up again. Sounds wonderful. You guys were great. Thank you guys so much for making that a piece of cake. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, Kyle. You too. No problem. Bye-bye. Bye. Holy crap. That was amazing. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, no offense to any of our earlier guests, but like that might be the most fun I've had on our podcast ever. It's... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, every <laughs> single one of them has been amazing and different. In their own and... ways, absolutely. Like, and, the, and the, like every person we have brought on has had just this just absolutely unique perspective. Mm-hmm. And experience. I mean, everybody's had all of these different experiences. And it's just been so enlightening getting to see not just the Honda industry, but a variety of industries and how they interact in and around haunting. And my God, what a just diverse, like, set of people that get into this. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can get into it from any direction. And it seems like every direction. Like <laughs> And every direction, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that was so much fun. So that was Kyle Vest, actor and makeup artist and stuntman and aerial ice skater, which we now know a little bit more about. Model, costume designer, haunt designer. You can find him all over the place on Instagram at 
Prince underscore of underscore fear on Facebook, facebook.com slash kyle.vest.90. He had, uh, you can find his website. I've got too many tabs open. There it is. His website is kylevest.com. Uh, you can also find his, um, what do we call it? Is, uh, you know, those people who help you do things. Publicists? No, 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 not pub- like, um, uh, they're, they're an expert at one thing and you bring them in to help you do that one thing. Consulting. Publicist. <clears throat> consulting is what other <laughs> word I was looking for. <laughs> Uh, and then you can find his consulting company, KyleVest.com slash Prince of Fear, where he will come out and do actor training or help you with scenic design and costume design and just about anything you can imagine. He is willing to come out and help you make those dreams come true. Help design your worst and best nightmares. Indeed. Oh, my God. We didn't even talk about his like. So he Kyle won one challenge when he was on Skin Wars. It was the horror and gore challenge, which kind of makes sense, given, you know, his yeah, background. Yeah, exactly. My God, go Google it. In fact, I'm don't even bother Googling. Just look on our Facebook page because I'm going to put a picture of it because the creature that he created just so disturbingly awesome. Yeah. I mean, he said his favorite type of, of makeup to do is creature makeup. Is creature and makeup. Creating, and you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge they were doing, he was uh, the concept his team worked on was hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And his creature was the here uh, the see no evil eyes all over the body um uh crown of thorns like dug out the eyes of the creature it's amazing go check out the fake yeah. go check out the um uh, the pictures on our facebook page facebook.com slash haunting you it'll also be on our instagram at haunting university and you can find us through twitter at haunting universe one a quick flashback a couple of episodes ago, episode 45, we had Doug Sheldon come on to tell us all about Fear Expo Live that is happening in January. He dropped a hint that there would be a huge announcement come August. Well, guess what, Doug? It's August. So we followed up with him, and, well, let's hear what he had to say. Hey, somebody wants to say hi real quick. Absolutely. What's up? Who is this? <laughs> this is Doug Sheldon. Hey, what are you doing there? Hey, Doug. Well, I heard that, you know, that uh, Kyle was doing this interview, and I said, well, I'm going to fly to wherever you're at and just listen to it. <laughs> don't you owe me a big announcement? <laughs> oh, I do, don't I? Is it already that time? I mean, it's August, and, you know, we're recording a little early. This one's coming out mid-August. Yeah, I think I told you August 15th I was going to be ready to release that big announcement, didn't I? Yeah, and that's when this episode is going to come out. So whenever, uh, if you want to, like, send me a clip or something, we can always cut that in later. No, it'll have to go in your next episode. All right, all right. September 1, fine. <laughs> you must be patient, Kay. <laughs> I can't well, be patient. It's huge news. Patience is a virtue. I agreed. There that, you go. That doesn't make impatience a vice. Yeah, so as it turns out, Kyle happened to be up at The Haunt in Michigan, where he was helping Doug create some new scenes for his haunt. And as you just heard, Doug is not willing to tell us what he is, uh, what he's plotting back there. So follow along on our Facebook page. I'm sure as soon as he is willing to uh, share something, we will put it out there as well. And then check back with us on September 1st, and we should be able to, and we should have more information but in the meantime, Doug, you're killing me, man. Anyway, Les, give us some up of where to find the podcast and our website and all of that while I get some water. 
So you can find uh, our podcast pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartMusic, Amazon. If you can, if you have a podcast, favorite place to get your podcast, you can find us there. Look for us there. Look for us there. Uh, we're, we're always amused at the the great places that people find our podcast. And, it's, uh, and, and then, and it's kind of crazy. Like I can see where just about everybody downloads us from, and there's like 23 or 25 different streaming services. Like I didn't know that many existed. But thanks and, for listening. Yeah. And please keep listening. And then for finding us on our social media, uh, our Facebook is. I, I just did social haunting... media. Don't worry about it. Just, oh, just okay. do the website. Oh, it's hauntingyou.com. It is hauntingyou.com. <laughs> it's an easy one to remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we have run long. I don't want to do any other wrap ups or anything because we have run so long. Thank you all for uh, for sticking around. I, we had a lot of fun. I hope you had a lot of fun, too. We will see you next time on September 1st. And, oh, my God, we're running out of time. But I think we'll have something a little special for our September 1st episode. Definitely go subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified when it drops. Absolutely. We always love to get new listeners. Absolutely. So if you're uh, first time listening to us because of we had Kyle Vest on, welcome. Uh, please go back through our backlog of amazing episodes. And hopefully you're interested enough and you're willing to keep listening to us. Absolutely. We, uh, you know, we strive to be, in the words of the Chamber of Haunters, a home for all haunters. Uh, we want to share what how we build our haunted houses. And um, hopefully all of you listeners are finding some kind of value in that as well. So please go check out our, our earlier episodes, episodes 1 through 10 especially, where we discuss the Haunting You method, which is the method that we use to produce our haunted houses. And then every episode beyond that. Uh, showing us live on the podcast building our our future haunts so it's a lot of fun go check it out and in the meantime we will see you next time from all of us here at haunting you happy haunting bye everybody haunting you is a production of the rocky mountain home haunters llc all audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or the Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more information on all the clips used in this episode. Haunting University can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U or on Twitter using the handle at haunting Univer one that's haunting U-N-I-V-E-R-1. Be sure to check out our new page on Podbean at www.hauntingu.podbean.com. <laughs>